you're listening to this, you're a mortgage professional who's probably wanting to scale your business. After 12 years of being in the trenches as a mortgage pro and nearly 180 interviews with top performing loan officers and mortgage brokers, I've distilled the best ideas, strategies, and tactics into an eight-week program called the $25 million blueprint. If you're wanting to take your business from 10 million a year to 20, or if you want to go from 25 to 50, this is the program that will help you scale. Step by step, we're going to show you exactly what the pros have done so that you can get there too. Go to mortgageblueprint.io to find out more. That's mortgageblueprint.io. I Love Mortgage Brokering, episode 103. The only podcast for brokers by brokers. I Love Mortgage Brokering will inspire you to up your mortgage business. Join your host, Scott Peckford. Today on the show, I have Adam Coltish of CL Capital Group. So he's a young broker, only been in the business three years, but they're doing some pretty awesome things. Adam shared with me how uh, they, he started as a border guard and then got into becoming a broker. So federal government employee, which you don't typically, no offense, but you don't typically think of as highly motivated individuals and then becomes a mortgage broker and is having a ton of success and very innovative. And, um, you know, even to the point where they actually bought a Remax office. And so I know most mortgage brokers just want to get into an office and he, him and his business partner, they buy one. And so it's a pretty cool story. Adam shares some awesome advice and tips on how he's had the success he's had in that short period of time. And I know that um, you're going to, you're going to dig it. And if you enjoyed this interview, definitely reach out to Adam and shoot him an email or message him on Facebook and say, Hey, Adam, you know, I appreciate you sharing. I know that he would totally uh, be okay with that. Also, another thing that's happened a lot lately is I've had people reach out to me and say, Hey, Scott, where should I hang my mortgage license? And Sometimes they pick communities. I don't know any owners in that area. And so, and ultimately choosing a brokerage is a very personal decision. So we created this career section of the Isle of Mortgage Brokering site where you could go put in your postal code and then basically compare brokerages that are recruiting in your area. The idea kind of came from my wife and I, when we were car shopping, we were looking at a certain class of car and in the windows of the car, you could have, there was a sticker and the sticker always had the details, engine size and the mileage and all of the different, and you could compare one class, one car to the next. And then ultimately you take it for a test drive and your choice would be based on, you know, what was the right feel. And so we thought, wouldn't it be great if there was a place for a broker to compare brokerages that are recruiting? So, and it is an engine size where you're looking at maybe the size of their team, what kind of volume, who they have status with as lenders and what type of brokers are looking for. And then ultimately, you as the broker can select where is the best fit. So check it out. I love mortgage brokering slash careers and check out this interview with Adam. It's an it's an awesome one. Hi, Broker Nation. I am to introduce my guest today, Adam Coltish. Adam has only been a broker for three years and he's been absolutely killing it. I ran into a broker friend who's been in the business a long time and said that Adam and his partner, Dean, have got a really cool business structure and have been making stuff happen. So I knew I had to reach out to him and interview him. Adam, I'm stoked for this interview today. Are you ready to rock? Yeah, well, let's go. Awesome. So can you tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got into the mortgage business? Because most people don't start out going, hey, I want to be a mortgage broker when I grow up. Yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah, for sure. So I was a federal government employee for nine years. And along the way, uh, while I was a border officer, I just bought and rented out uh, my first house, renovated, and I was able to show some friends and family how to do it. And along the way, a realtor that I knew just said, you're always talking about helping people do this. You should be a mortgage broker. I said, what's that? I bank at RBC. Mm-hmm. So I went and job, job shadowed a, uh, a high producing mortgage broker uh, for a day and just signed up for the course that night and did it as quickly as I could. And, 
And then, so you are, you have a federal government job, you know, you're going to have a pension. It's pretty secure. You pretty much have to kill somebody to get fired. I'm just joking. Um, it's kind of true. It's kind of true. I used to work for BC Ambulance. So and then what, obviously, did you just quit? Like, was it, did you go from part-time to full-time? What happened? Yeah. So I, I was full-time for about two months and it was obvious that this is something I really wanted to do and it, it wouldn't work working 50 hours a week at the other job. So um, I, I'd say the hardest part about the transition was asking to go part-time because that shows that showed my employer where my priorities were not. And so I did part-time, which was actually 36 hours a week for about seven months, um, just trying to work up some income to be able to uh, take a leave of absence. So the federal government let you take an unpaid leave for up to 18 months. So I, I did that seven months afterwards and just tried to work as hard as I could. And then, yeah, before you know it, the day came where they were calling me saying, are you coming back tomorrow or are you quitting? And I was already doing it for a year and a half, so I let it go. So that's it. Okay, so then tell me about your first year. So how did you go out and go from a border officer to a mortgage broker? So how what did you do to find your first clients? Uh, the first thing I did was told everybody I worked with. <laughs> and I got my first two deals. One was a friend, one was a coworker at the border. And But outside of work, I went to, I was living in Langley, and I went to all of the show homes and new developments within 10 kilometers of my house. So every week, twice a week, I'd be bringing Starbucks to the sales manager and sales staff just introducing myself and sticking around, um, creating rate sheets and marketing material on my iPad, printing them off at Staples and dropping them off. Just, I didn't know to do that. It was just figured something to try, right? And after two or three months, the, the deal started to come in. So you, you started going to these open houses and these, so did you get any deals from them? Like did the, when, how long did it take before you started picking up business from, from this? Yeah. So I was licensed in June. I had two deals right away. And then between then and October, I had about 11 deals. So it was somewhere around the two to three million dollar mark, I think. I don't know, maybe that's too high, but it's something like 11 deals in my first uh, first five months. And it was just from the show homes, just clients that were walking in looking to purchase these townhouses and the sales manager would refer, refer them to me, you know, the, the local mortgage broker. Okay, cool. So I'm going to come back to your story because there's some other cool things that you guys are doing that I want to talk about. But before I do, I want to ask you about a success quote because I find quotes are uh, memorable. They're portable. You can help them, use them to keep you on track. So do you have a quote that's really had an impact on your life or business? Yeah, I'd say uh, power in partnership would be the quote that I've been able to really dive into. And that was something my current business partner and I uh, really stick to. It's, it's, it's the values and people that you work with. Right. So tell me about how you've applied that to your business or your life. I guess I've applied it in that uh, in a way that um, you, you, you really end up trusting the people that you work closely with is that I think the, the thing that my business partner said to me in our first coffee meeting when we were talking about joining books was, you know what, the two of us together are going to be like the power of five. Mm -hmm. And when you have the right drive and the right people and the right systems that uh, obviously you have to develop them over time, but it, it truly is. And it's perception in our industry too. You know, when you, when you work with closely with others and other people see that, it helps them want to work with you too. Right. And so just to give some background, I, I know this from talking to you, but so can you explain your business structure? So, cause it's a little bit unique in that, you know, most mortgage brokers, it's kind of them and but you're a little bit different. Yeah. So right away uh, we knew that we wanted to, and I had this vision as well to tackle the mortgage broker industry you know, through client interaction and marketing and just our overall operation, uh, like a firm or like a bank structure, um, where that the client experience is that there's several people involved in a very efficient way 
but it's like you're working with a, a company. You can walk in the door and you know a couple of people because you know they've all worked on your file. And I mean, we share our book of business. We we have different roles within the company, um, but we're all essentially uh, at one point or another involved in the client process. Right. So it's not just Adam Coltish or Dean Lawton. It's when somebody deals with your firm, it could be either one of you. And the idea is that long term, the idea is to be able to take a holiday because one of the big things, most successful mortgage brokers, they become almost a slave to their to their phone and to their work. Right. Absolutely. That was a big that was a key is because we need balance in order to be at our best. Um, but as well, we I mean, it's for it's for efficiency as well. And it's for it's just a it's just a different feel. We wanted to appeal to that emotional attachment that clients have with a bank. We said, how can we bring that to the industry? You know, it's it's easy to leave Adam, but is it easy to leave Adam, Dean, Derek and Jeff? Right. That, right. That you feel, and that's just currently who we are now. But uh, yeah, and we wanted to set it up for, you know, a model of, of growth as well. Mm -hmm. Build it to scale. So exactly. Uh, okay, I want to ask about failure. So I know that failure happens as you're an entrepreneur, your business owner, can you share something that you'd failed at? But looking back, there was a lesson in it for you? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's that age old one. I mean, especially when you're in a growing company is um, uh, hire slowly, fire quickly, <laughs> not to sound uh, too harsh or what have you. But um, when you're looking for, you know, people who are on the same page and whether it be staff and when you start to rely on people, I mean, you need to take your time to, to find the right person. I mean, sometimes you just know right away, like I've been lucky enough with my business partners, but when it's when it's a staffing position or an assistant position and you do really, we, we heavily rely on people in those roles. Mm -hmm. um, when the, when that person, or you can, you can see it going sideways, you really gotta, you gotta make a quick decision because it just gets worse the longer it goes. Right. So, and, um, and then things start to suffer like client experience. And once that happens, I mean, I'd say that was probably something I would, I would know to recognize a lot sooner um, and be able to deal with, Quick, more quickly. So did you have somebody that you had to let go? Because it sounds like you're... Yes. Okay. Yes, we had we had an assistant that we had to let go. Okay. And so how long, just out of curiosity, you don't, I don't names or anything, but how yeah. long did they work for you before you realized that, hey, this is just not the right, it's, a, it's not the right fit? They worked for us for just over five months. And it was immediately after the three-month mark that it was almost like, you know, things like demeanor and work ethic changed. And so it took two months of, you know, which seems like forever in the moment when things are not going very smoothly in the operation anymore, mm -hmm. um, that you, you have to make a change. Right. Totally. Okay. And then, so then you made a, made an adjustment. Um, you said something about client experience. And so tell me about what kind of things do you guys focus on in the client experience? Cause I think every mortgage broker, maybe they don't use that language, but they do talk about, you know, wowing their client or having a good process. So can you share with me some, something that you guys think is a pivotal part of your how, well, how you guys are working? Yes, um, and that was this is the other key to our structure is that it's the it's our own availability for the client, um, not necessarily you know all hours of the of the night or anything like that, but it's making their process smooth. It's when when they contact you, you get out to them right away, and then there's consistent and regular follow up, and um, even after even after things like, you know, documents are collected, it's just, you're making the process smooth. And then we meet every single client that we can, you know, as long mm -hmm. as they're geographically available. Um, and then even after the deal funds, we have, um, you know, some great programs, right? We have a, a completion phone call. We have a completion package that goes out to the clients on a USB drive. Um, we have, 
a pre-first mortgage payment phone call that goes out from our assistant to letting them know. It's just we're always kind of there along the way. Right. It makes, it makes them feel like it's attentive. And some of the feedback that we get is uh, is just that. It's like you, you guys are always, you know, I feel like you're there every step of the way. It's great. Mm-hmm. So who t- so this closing phone call and these other things, who's doing that on your team? Our, our, so yeah, essentially our assistant, that's part of our retention program is that they follow up on our behalf. And that's another layer that we saw value in. We thought, you know, um, should it be me? And, and granted we do talk to the clients, but should it be me calling? But kind of at that point in time, I mean, we wanted to kind of have a bit of a gap between the stress of the experience and the sales part of working with you know, your mortgage broker, and then adding that middle layer to where the assistant follows up and mentions our name, the firm's name, has, you know, a happy little voice, and the client's like, no, it's all good, you know, and then possibly ask for a testimonial, things like that. It's kind of like that extra layer. So, I mean, that goes over well. Right, right. Okay. So, you, the, your process essentially is a lead comes in, what, you or Dean would pick it up. You guys are sort of like the front yes. people. And then the next step is you would hand that off to somebody on your team to yes, to do process. Yes. And then when do you, uh, do you meet your clients once or twice? I, the reason I ask this is because I'm very obsessed with process. And, and yeah. so I always like to just, you know, dive into this. So what, what happens then? Okay, you, Derek picks up the, gets the application complete. And then what's the next step? Well, I think, I think typically, yeah, because the application, we're having great success with our online application. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, a year, a year and a half ago, not so much, but I think maybe just the general public is becoming more, open to that kind of a process so we we there's the initial phone call there's the connecting with the email where i do a follow-up to derek and i'm introducing derek through the email derek calls the client to introduce himself um tells them how to you know i've sent you the application here it is and after we've been able to process it and find some answers for the client if there's we're essentially meeting the client at the mortgage commitment um, because documents and what have you, we really don't need to meet the client for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but by the by the time that they're meeting us for the commitment signing in person, um, I mean, there's been half a dozen phone calls probably. So that relationship's been built. We close in person, and that usually is the only time that we meet them. Okay. And then do you, do you guys have like a process for asking for referrals or what? Yes. At the time, at the commitment, so this is our little, this, you know, this is our little process. So we have the commitment package all done out with the mortgage commitment and your compliance documents and what have you. But right after the mortgage commitment, we have a sheet. We have a referral piece, piece of paper sheet that we've done up on our company letterhead. And, and it literally asks for two referrals on it. And we introduce them saying, great, you're all excited. You just signed your mortgage commitment. And, you know, not having the script in front of me that, uh, you know, Derek uses, it's essentially, can you tell us somebody else that we can do this for? And we literally slide that piece of paper over to them with a pen. And can you write it down right now? And if you can't, we, we always pause because sometimes the names come out right away because they're mm-hmm. all excited and they know somebody. And if not, then at least they can take that with them. And then um, on a follow up, we'll ask, hey, did you have a chance to fill out that that referral sheet yet? Um, and then a third time when our assistant calls for the follow-up phone call, if we haven't received one by then. But we almost always get a referral either in person or at the follow-up of that sheet. We'll get the sheet actually 
they'll still take a picture of it and send it back to us. Yeah, I think it's important for brokers to remember to ask because I, I always tell you know people that I'm like, hey man, most of our clients are employees. They kind of go to work, they get paid. They don't really understand the importance of referrals. And so if you don't remind them politely, then even if they love you, they may not remember to refer you. So you have to find a way to ask. I love the fact that you actually have a sheet of paper and you're like, hey, here, um, that's that's amazing. I know I took a, I joined Good Life Fitness, and when I signed up, they asked me for, they did the same thing. I was like, oh my gosh, if these guys entered the mortgage business, they would eat our lunch. Well, and we've and we've we've thought that, you know, along the way, you feel that, you think that from other businesses. Here, here's an here's an example, just a quick example. But our tailor, he prints out, he goes, you know, behind the scenes, he prints out my entire LinkedIn profile of my connections. And every time I meet with him, he puts it in front of me and says, who of these people do you know? Do you think I can reach out to and say that you told me to call them? Wow. It's unreal. But like, you, do you feel, do you feel offended by that? Or are you like, no, oh. I, well, I mean, I'm in the sales industry and I literally was like, this is the best thing that I've ever seen for like a referral tactic. And I circled like 20 names. Right. So, right. Yeah. I, I know I put down names of friends cause I just wanted to see if they would actually call, you know? So I'm like, they're like, who do you think would like to work out with you at the gym? And I just wrote them these random names. And yeah. then sure enough, the next day they're like, bang, they're like, what do you put down my name for dude? And I'm like, I just wanted to see if it worked. Now that's respect, right? That yeah. is sales. So yeah, we all got to be tight like that. So. Yeah. And this was like a 19-year-old girl, right? Like who who just got into, like she's selling a, essentially a $2,000 purchase when you take how much you pay per month over the two years. And she's on the phone cold calling. And I just, I'm, my tons of respect for that. Absolutely. So anyways, I got, I digress there, but you got me excited. So I want to yeah. ask about processes and systems. So obviously you're very system oriented. You're building You're building a, a business or a brand, not just yourself. Um, so can you share an example of an administrative process that maybe didn't work the way you were hoping and then a change you made in the outcome you got? My big thing is um, after, after the, after the client process is all done, after there's been 14 emails back and forth with some clients, you know, with documents here and there and wherever, the process can get to feel messy. You know, it's all fancy and wonderful in the beginning when you work with your broker and they say all the wonderful things you can do, but then a client's perspective of you can change because they're frustrated at you because of the documents you're asking for and it's a messy process. So I wanted something in our process to wrap up um, and, and to, to bring back those emotions and that feeling of like, okay, it all worked out, it was all good. So I had this idea for a completion package and in the end, it was every document needed in the process to obtain them a mortgage was all nicely printed off and bound together with a laminated cover in like a book. Mm -hmm. Well, the logistics of putting together a bound book with and some of these things were like an inch and a half thick because right. of all the documents required. And then the you change the laminated graphics on the front. And anyways, it was a great idea. I had great feedback from it. But it was a logistical nightmare, and it was very expensive. Some of these books were like sixty dollars because wow, of yeah, yeah, and you know, I mean, it's unreal. And then you're putting them all together, and you're flying down to Staples to because they'll bind them. Anyways, it was a great idea, but it was too expensive and too time consuming, and sometimes it was not even worth the stress because Staples was late or you had an appointment to give it to the client. So we changed. That didn't work. It really didn't work anymore. So we changed it to um, USB, key-shaped USB drives. And now all the documents are well-organized in a little USB drive with a magnet on the back, and it sticks to their fridge. Mm -hmm. And there's no more printing, There's no, and it's uploaded in five seconds, five minutes, right? So it was a good idea, messy process. We really had to come up with a change, and it's saving us money, it's saving us time, and yet the experience, that feeling is still 
the same. I mean, right. clients post their little USB drive on Facebook saying how awesome it is. Right. So you've got good feedback from the USB and that happens post funding or after the signatures? Yeah. Post funding. Okay. And yeah. just, just out of curiosity, do you guys do any other sort of thank you gifts or anything? For, well, for referrals. Yeah. And we do birthday cards with Tim Hortons cards or mm -hmm. Starbucks cards. And uh, so we do that, but for thank yous for referrals from a business partner or a client, um, we use an online app. I, the name, is, I can't remember the name at the moment. Dean knows it. Anyways, so you can instantly through text send somebody. It's a Gusto. Gusto. There you go. Yeah. So we use Gusto now as of about a month and a half ago. And um, it's fantastic. Right. Yeah, it is a really slick program for gifting. And they actually, they, one of the cool things they have now is that you can actually put a time limit on the gift. And then if they don't use it, you, you can reuse the, you can send it to someone else so that you're not like, you know, you're not wasting money on sending a gift card to someone that never uses it. But so if you put like 60 or 90 days on it and they don't, then the money comes back and you can send it to someone else. That's fantastic. That's, um, yeah, we used to do that. Another thing that we do actually, we just started doing is uh, we, we use a really great CRM program called uh, PipelineDeals.com. Mm -hmm. And it allows us all to communicate together. And it's a journal history of all the interaction you have with your clients, reminders, all that stuff. So uh, our assistant now puts in reminders for us, whether it was Adam's lead or Dean's lead or Derek's lead. So they'll put it in my profile or theirs um, for that client that it's their birthday. Mm -hmm. And it'll say, it's their birthday, send them a text. So we actually, I mean, it depends on, you know, on who it is, but... I mean, every morning there'll be like three or four people where I'll send a quick little text, you know, say happy birthday. And uh, they love it. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there's that birthday card too. But we started doing that for, you know, maybe the clients that we have a, you know, maybe closer relationship with or we, we've done a few deals for men in person. But um, that's gone over really well. And our CRM really makes that effective. Right. That's awesome. So I'm going to shift to rapid fire questions. So these you can answer with shorter answers if you like. So what's the number one thing holding back most mortgage brokers from being successful? Follow up. And what's the one thing that's made you guys successful? Persistence. Right. You were actually going to say something past the follow-up and I cut you off. So what were you going to say about the follow-up that, that most brokers don't seem to do a great was, job of? I, yeah, I was, I was going to say the same thing. It's just follow-up and, and like, I don't know what the right word is, like drive, like go and <laughs> go get the business. Right. Giddy up. It, well, and that's, you know, I mean. That's uh, that was that was the same answer for my next question is because I would you say, well, what do you think they're not doing or should do? And what do you guys do? I think they should do what we're doing because we're having a great time. I mean, I don't have all the answers, but it's like uh, it's there for you. You know, like there's you just got to get up in the morning and go. Right. That's good. And if you could recommend a Internet resource or software program, you talked about pipeline deals. Is there another one that you guys find really useful? I would say pipeline deals simply became our everything CRM. It now has a email tracking system like MailChimp. So that's fantastic. You know, uh, so I'd say that is just our go-to. I think now we use, uh, I mean, for social media, which has been huge for us in the last several months through there, we use like a, like a blog program, but I mean, the majority it's just pipeline deals will change your business. If you're a little bit disorganized or if you, you know, need to you, you, honestly follow up is everything with referral partners and, and reminders and all these things that'll change your business. Right. That's really good. So uh, where, if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be? Oh, it'd definitely be uh, Be the Better Broker. 
be the better rogue. Oh, you're the yeah. first person to ever say that. So Dustin will be like, yeah. yeah. Well, there up? you go. No, it's a good read. It's good. It is good. Um, so this is the last question. Uh, so remember the movie Back to the Future? Yes. So there's a DeLorean. You could jump in it and travel in time. So if I could send you back three years to when you were working for the federal government and you were looking at getting in the mortgage business, what would you, what kind of advice would you give yourself if you could have, you know, five minutes to say, Hey, Adam, make sure you do X or Y. What would you tell yourself? I would say track your business. I got out there pretty hard, but it was just, you got to track your business. Honestly, the thing that it was very difficult for me to, you know, coming from being an employee and moving to self-employment is the value that other people see in follow-up mm -hmm. that's just it's huge it's huge because if you're following up you're tracking your business you're staying on top of things that you need to do but you're also in everybody else's business and they're going to come to you first because you're top of mind right that's good so, that's good stuff so just follow up or set up a set up some kind of a system is there anything else you would you give yourself advice on i would say you don't need to spend as much money to get the same results okay because a lot of the results is just through that belly to belly getting out there in front of people and then track it so that you can actually be efficient with your sales, like close the deals that you, that come in the door, you know, you know what we didn't talk about, which I, I realized we got to, we got to circle back to this is you guys bought a Remax office. So here yes. you are three years in the business and you just say, Hey, look, wouldn't it be great to own a real estate office. So tell me about a little bit about that and what was the decision or deciding factor that made you guys decide, hey, let's own a real estate office. Because most mortgage brokers are like just trying to get in a real estate office. I'm like, can I get a, you know, can I get a desk in there? And you're like, no, let's just buy it. I love the boldness of it. But tell me, what were you thinking, and what was the what the plan? Sure. I actually, you know, I mean, I think even I'll just just to preface the thought around that, because being in the mortgage broker industry, if you if you regard yourself as you know what? I'm a mortgage broker, but I'm also an entrepreneur. Like you're self-employed and you're growing a business, whatever that business form is going to look like. The, the things that we learn by being a broker about lending, about generating capital, about what you can do with money, what you can do with financing, you can go far beyond just buying a house. And the things that we can learn from the partners that are in our industry, such as the lenders or what have you, I mean, they can they can let you do a lot more than just that information can let you do a lot more than just close you know, mortgage deals. And that's mm -hmm. what, that's what I really wanted to start to, to entertain um, about a year and a half ago when I grew my personal real estate portfolio a little bit. And then, and then once, I mean, we, we, we delved into commercial a bit and we realized that was the direction we wanted to go. Yeah, I mean, you start to see opportunities. It's like the blinders come off. You, you start to say, well, how can I be involved in that? So when the opportunity came about, when, you know, we saw that this office was for sale, it was like, well, to buy something, you just need financing and a down payment. I know how to do that. Right. right? And review the financials. Well, I'd done that a couple of times and it's like, well, I don't have to just close mortgages. We can, we can potentially own some other businesses given the location, the potential up here, the financials, the, the fact that I understand the business line, you know, a little bit, given that we own a mortgage brokerage, it's like, why not? I don't know. I have, I don't have a good reason why not yet. So let's see if right. we can make it work. So if you kind of, you know, run your, just run yourself, let alone your business with that idea that, you know what, I, I know a lot and I can actually accomplish things outside of just getting those deals. I mean, the opportunities are there. Mm -hmm. and, and so has it been, how long ago did you guys actually close on that? Uh, we put the offer on Remax in the middle of June and four months later on October 15th, we closed on it. 
And so has it been in terms of a like standalone business, has it been working well? And then has it helped complement your mortgage business? Yes, it's been, I mean, it's, it's been here 23 years. Like it definitely continues to work well. Um, it's been great because as far as for the mortgage business too, because we've been able to educate not only the agents in the office, but now we have a presence here in this community where really there, you know, isn't necessarily one for mortgage financing. So, I mean, even just with me spending some time here too, it, um, it gets out there and in a smaller community, I mean, everybody talks. And um, so it's, it's definitely helped us grow that way. And because of the systems that we have, and that's the other key piece is that I couldn't do this if I didn't have business partners like Dean and Derek and Jeff as our underwriter and our assistant, because I'd be in every mortgage deal that our company does. Right up to your elbows. Yeah. Yeah. So this allows us to kind of grow our company overall or companies. And, um, but for the mortgage business, it's still been good. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Adam, I really appreciate it, man. And so where can people find you online? clcapital.ca is our website. And are you guys hiring at all? We are. Well, exactly. So we just opened up a big new Langley uh, mortgage brokerage, DLC, a better way, um, right at 286th at the highway there. And uh, absolutely, we're recruiting. Okay, awesome. So anybody can check out links to everything we talked about at ilovemortgagebrokering.com. Adam, I really appreciate your time, man, and I hope you continue to crush it. Thanks. Thanks so much.